Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got a ton to talk about today. Recap the rest of yesterday's mock draft, the Roto mock draft. I'm glad that we ended up talking about the per game versus total stuff at the end of the show. I think that was more important. I wanted to get that out into the universe while it was fresh on my mind. And then today we're able to save what I thought was actually a really interesting rest of the third round. And then we'll just sort of dial our way through the fourth through about the ninth or tenth round. I don't think there's a, a giant reason to go beyond that. It's pretty clear that in drafts this year, if you're in a mostly competitive league, by the end of the ninth round, it's it's almost exclusively crap. By the end of the tenth round, it is... It's crap. You got 120 guys worth drafting this year. Anything beyond that is a total shot in the dark. There are a couple of interesting names beyond that, and we'll, we'll pick and choose there. Kind of cherry pick 11th, 12th, and 13th rounds. But for those that missed the end of yesterday's show, the last thing we talked about was an, a really interesting strategy, actually, employed by uh, one of the teams in our mock draft who went Kawhi Leonard at pick 24 and Robert Williams at pick 25, which, as I said yesterday, individually, I like a lot. In a vacuum, independent of one another, I like each of those picks just fine. I like the Kawhi one much more than the Robert Williams one. I think with with Time Lord and the, the, the knee stuff, you want to be getting him closer to his ADP, which is in the mid to late 30s now. With Kawhi, there's a ton of space between where he's going and where he could go and still be a fantasy steal. I mentioned, I think, three or four shows back, might have been the beginning of this week when we were looking at Yahoo's readjusted rankings, Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul, two, like, to call them prototypical old guys is not even really fair because one of them is actually old. By NBA standards and almost by, like, life standards, Chris Paul is getting old. I'm older. I, I still feel good about the fact that I feel good or bad. It doesn't matter. And then Kawhi, who's not that old as a human being, but he's been an old-bodied sort with the knee arthritis or quad arthritis, whatever they're blaming all of this on. Uh, creating rest days in the NBA. So he's more of an old in spirit kind of guy. And I, I think it's kind of amazing that those two oldest of the old might be the two easiest picks on the entire draft board this year. And I might eat my words if Kawhi misses 45 games or something like that. But, it, you know, it... With, with Chris Paul, he's actually been extraordinarily healthy, and whatever injury he has suffered lately have been more fluky. With Kawhi, it's always the one-day-off kind of thing. It's just one day off every single week, basically. But there hasn't been a lot of bigger stuff, probably because he's getting a, a day off every week. We should all be so fortunate. All that said, when you draft in Roto... When you draft injury-prone players, and, and we've, you know, it, it's been said, I've said it, others have said it, and it's, it's borderline accurate that in Roto, you can 
take chances with injury-prone guys because there's a games cap. And so if somebody misses 25, 30 games, it doesn't completely obliterate your season. The way that someone at the top of a draft in head-to-head, if they miss 25 games in a row at almost any point during the year, you're basically sunk. With Roto, it doesn't matter. And then with head-to-head, you're also playing the, you're rolling the dice of when are these missed games going to occur. But, again, last topic from yesterday's show. But, there is a limit to this process. And the limit is, if you keep taking high upside, injury-prone guys, even in a Roto Games Cap League, at some point, you're going to have to make up those missed ball games. And I don't know how, the, how we managed to not really cover this particular concept until yesterday, because... I don't know. I've done these segments on at what point during a draft do you start to pivot more from totals into per game. And I think that's part of it. Is that at the beginning, even in a games cap roto, you need to get some games played out of your guys. Because the quality of the streamer gets worse and worse with every guy that is injured on your team. If you have four guys hurt, you can't just pick up four top 100 streamers. You might get a 100 in there, you might get a 120, you might have to fill in a 150, or you might just decide, I don't really want to make up these games right now, I'll do it later. And at that point, you're rolling the dice that the rest of your team doesn't get hurt for a while. So that was the topic at the end of yesterday's show. I thought it would be kind of fun to just jump right back in here at the beginning of today's. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a sports ethos presentation. It's Friday, it's the weekend edition of the podcast off-season episode number 110, and let's see, September 12th, that's our next show after today, the 13th marks the one, two, three, five-week mark to the start of the NBA season. We are in count-up mode. Screw countdown, we're in count-up mode now. We're that close. We're that close, come on! Right around the corner. Pretty soon, we're going to do our big industry mock. I love that part of the year. Get some of the best NBA voices and minds in on a slow draft. Then we'll have them on here to break down their draft and drop a, a sleeper apiece. That's been our annual tradition here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Baspers. For those that are tuning in for the first time, welcome. This is a great time of year. This is a time where I get to meet new people. And if you're relatively new to the show, I hope you will come and... Drop a follow over on the Twitters. I am at Dan Bespris over there. Pretty easy. D-A-N. And then the last name is B as in boy. E-S as in Sam. B as in boy. Again, R-I-S as in Sam. Or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. I know. Eventually, it'll be Dan from Sports Ethos, but it hasn't quite pulled that search engine optimized thing blurbity blur together yet. So still Dan from Hoopball. We left off at pick 26, yesterday's mock draft recap. This was a nine-cat roto mock, so it did have a bit of a different feel to it. Why did we do the first pick of the third round? Well, I thought I was going to do the third round, and then I got one name in and realized I had another discussion I wanted to finish off. So we start today at pick number 26. That is DeJounte Murray, who is still on the move. 
His ADP is at 23.1 as of this morning. And, you know, good on Yahoo for updating this stuff every single day. ADPs are shifting right now. Giannis officially safely in front of Joel Embiid at the top of the draft. And Luka kind of safely behind Embiid. The one that keeps jumping out is John Morant on the drop. He's falling like a boulder after they moved him down in the rankings. Tyrese Halliburton's been on the rise, although he's kind of leveled off near 20. And now we're going to keep an eye on Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, because they're going to be tumbling as well. Jimmy Butler's been falling. Kawhi Leonard's been falling. And DeJounte Murray has actually been rising. Yahoo moved him into that number 15 slot on their latest board readjustment. And you're seeing the ADP shift as a result. However, in this particular mock draft, it didn't really click. At 26, I actually think Murray's still a, a pretty reasonable play. Third round, you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit that he gets to do quite a lot in Atlanta, but I don't think they turn him into a shell of himself. There's just going to be a lot that drops off from last year. But still, I mean, you're talking about a guy that starters minutes, even if he's not the the main dude on Atlanta, which he won't be, so the 18 shots is going to come down. It's not like he was doing everything with scoring. A lot of what he was able to do was steals, rebounds from the guard spot, and those aren't going anywhere, even if the rebounds come off a little bit. Steals are going to be very high. Percentages could actually get better for him, specifically field goal, playing alongside Trey Young. Three-pointers were not really a thing anyway, so you're looking at a possible dip in points and assists, and actually a possible dip in turnovers as well, but certainly the points and assists favor it more. Let's say that he does fall off from 21-9 and nine to, like, I don't know, you think he's going to be lower than 17 or 18 this year and, like, six and a half, seven assists? You're still talking about a really solid ball player. You're still talking about someone who's going to be inside the top 30 per game and probably higher than that. So Yahoo's now moved him back up the board, maybe too far in that direction. But if he is still going in the third round in your league, that's a guy that I'd feel very comfortable taking in the third. Jimmy Butler in the third round, good with that. Rudy Gobert in the third round, good with that. Cade Cunningham here at, what is this now, pick 29. There's a, there's a lot. Man, there's a lot of expectations being heaped on Cade this season. And this is where he's going. He's a third rounder this year, and I'm not doing it. I know there's always one of these guys that works, but there's also like nine of these types of guys that don't every season. So is Cade the one that works? Mm. It's going to be very hard for him to be a per-game top 30 guy. Interestingly, Bam Adebayo fell all the way to 30 in this league, which is actually a spot I'm totally fine taking him. Bam was in the 30s per game after he came back from injury last year. His ADP is 23. His pre-rank is 22. I don't think he generally falls this far in your drafts. I don't like him in the second round. I do like Bam in the third. I'm totally fine with that. Darius Garland went at 31. I remain extremely interested in where he actually settles at the end of all of this and frankly I'm not sure that I know where I want him to settle I just think he's not a guy I'm going to target I don't think he's going to fall far enough and I mentioned that on Wednesday's show when we covered the Donovan Mitchell trade that those two guys are going to fall a little bit in drafts but probably not far enough Shea Gilgis Alexander at 32 
yes, everybody's going to be panicking about the the missed games, and if you're in head-to-head, you probably you probably can't take that plunge. But in Roto in the third round, I'm fine with it. He was 34 per game last year. He missed, you know, too many ball games. But again, if you're getting a guy that's pretty close to his per game potential, it's not the end of the world if he misses a few games more than the league average. Not my favorite play here, but it at this juncture, as opposed to, remember, he was 24 in one of the early Yahoo ranks. He's a guy that's been falling a little bit, probably because people, I don't know what took him so long, realized that OKC was going to tank again. Pascal Siakam at 33. That seems fine. He was 35 per game last year, and he comes into this season healthy. Okay. Bradley Beal at 34. How far will he fall? How low can you go? Yahoo's got him ranked 33. He was in the 70s last year per game. And a lot's going to have to change for him to get back where he was before. I don't know that it does. I think 30 to 40 range is where he should be going. I don't think he's this magically special deal right now. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to look at this and go, Beal, this far down the board? Yeah, that's kind of where he belongs. End of the third, beginning of the fourth. Donovan Mitchell, end of the third. This is probably about where he belongs. Good job by everybody in this Roto unit to drop him down into his proper spot. Zach Levine at 36. That's a bit on the high side for him. Levine was number 45 last year, and things really aren't changing much. You know, we're splitting hairs a bit. Zion at 37. No thank you to Zion and Roto. Head-to-head, he slots nicely into a build, but Roto, he slots nicely into a... This dude's going to annihilate your percentage, your, your free throw percent, and you guys know how I feel about it. Destroying your free throw percent in Roto. It's just so hard to win a Roto League if you don't pull off the absolute perfect punt. With head-to-head, you have, and I said this yesterday, but I'll repeat it again in case anybody's listening for the first time today. In head-to-head, you don't have to be as perfect in your punting. Because if you're really, if you punt one thing and then you end up pretty bad in another thing as a result, you can still win 7-2 every week. 6-3, to 5-4, they're all within reach. That's still all good. In Roto, a 6-3 to three win is you losing your Roto League. <laughs> I think that makes sense. All right, we'll keep shuffling along. Scotty Barnes went at 38. That's real early for a dude who was 66 last year. Yeah, I would assume his role in- increases and perhaps his free throw percent gets better. Like, I think there is probably a second-year step forward for Scotty, but... Not when you've got all these proven assets on the board. That's too early for me. Like Vooch, he went right after him. 39. That's a no-brainer. Christoph Porzing is kind of early at 40. He's a guy I would I, I'm actually targeting towards the end of this fourth round. So I was I saw him go off there and I thought, hmm, interesting. I wonder if this, you know, this is more of a roto thing. You can take that shot here if your earlier picks were safer. Jared Allen, 41. That works for me. Chris Paul fell to 42, even in a roto draft. Absurd. Absurd. Evan Mobley at 43. That's probably about where he's going, and that's okay. He's not a guy I'm looking to take in the fourth round, but that's fine. Drew Holiday at 44. I like it. Chris Middleton at 45. That's fair. DeAndre Ayton at 46. I like that, too. Jalen Brown at 47. This is generally later than he's going in most drafts. His ADP is 36. He remains 
Uh, Yahoo did move him down to 42 on their latest board, so I guess it's possible he drops this far in your draft, but he's sort of a beloved fantasy asset for reasons I don't completely understand. Love him as a dude. Cal grad. Go Bears. Terry Rozier at 48. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the same team that went uh, Kawhi and Time Lord, so you're, like, taking all the Dan Vespers guys off the board. I think that one of the... Listen, uh, so shout-out NBA Fantasy Bible. That's the name of the team name here. I think that's also the Twitter handle of our buddy. Um, the one thing that having someone like that that's actually sort of targeting guys, even in a mock draft, does is it gives you this sense of, okay, this is where something like this could happen. And I think what we saw in this draft is that Kawhi at 24 and Time Lord at 25 and Rozier here at 48, this is about as early as those guys are going to go because it's a team on the turn that's targeting all of our favorite Roto guys. It's kind of cool to know because you can then make that mental note, file it in the Rolodex, that if you're going to go into a draft and you're hoping to get some of these guys, you might have to do it before this marker. You don't definitely have to do it before that marker, but just know that if you wait past that point, that dude could come off the table in front of you. Beginning of round five, Miles Turner at 49. I still would love to know where he's going to end up, but if he really is falling into the fifth round, he'll beat that per game almost anywhere he goes. Darren Fox at 50. I'm not a big Fox guy. I do think he has a better season this year, uh, but from a fantasy standpoint, his game just doesn't always... He's got John Morant's disease, where his numbers look like they should be fantasy gold, and they're just not, because his three-pointers are weirdly low for a point guard, and his assists weren't as high last year, and they'll probably stay lower. Maybe come up a little bit with no Tyrese Halliburton, but Demonis Sabonis is going to be doing a lot of orchestrating as well. Steals are fine, not spectacular. Free throw percent is actually a big problem for him. You don't want that out of a point guard spot. He's an off-kilter player that fits more into a punt-build kind of fantasy team than he does a roto team. CJ McCollum at 51, that's actually too early for me. I don't like almost anything going on in New Orleans. They're just overloaded. OG Ananobi at 52, that's a reasonable spot for him. Alperen Shengun at 53. You want to wipe a player's value off the board? That's the way to do it. I know Yahoo uh, pushed him way up their charts in the latest iteration. They've got him at number 69 here in their rankings, and even that I thought was really pushing it. Uh, 50s, you've decimated his value now. He is within like five slots of a best-case scenario. So you got to try to let him go. I know everybody's going to want him, but this has OG Ananobi last year written all over it. Oh, he's stepping into this gigantic role. Okay, yeah, he did that at the end of last year, but what we often forget is that things besides rebounds, assists, and steals and blocks matter for big guys. He's a big guy who has infinite potential. But when he started to play starters minutes at the end of last year, he was outside the top 120 in a limited sample size. Because he isn't going to score that much. That's not going to be his role. It'll be a little bit better, probably. His rebounding is decent. His assists are good for a big man. I'm going to take that away from him. Steals are pretty good for a big. Blocks are meh. 
Field goal percent is kind of all over the map. Free throw percent, we don't really know for sure. And turnovers are probably going to be high. It's just this weird, it's like a fantasy disconnect where when you look at a guy, you're like, if he puts it all together, he could be one of the best fantasy players in the NBA. But there's just all these sort of loose ends that haven't been tied up with him yet. And you're talking the fifth round here. I mean, think of some of the players that are still available to you. Brandon Ingram went next. I don't know that he's necessarily a hyper-safe play, but he is safer. Jonas Valanciunas, not my favorite mid-rounder this year. John Collins, he'll just sort of walk past this mark on a per-game basis. Yusuf Nurkic, we've seen him up there before. Josh Giddy, not my favorite. I mean, this is a weird round. I think the fifth round might be my least favorite round on the board this season. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, at 59, that seems to be about where he's going. I still don't know that you have to take that chance there. Feels too risky. John Collins is probably the only, and his health stuff does remain an issue, but he's he's like the safest, he's probably the safest player on the board. Now, OG is probably the safest player on the board in that round, but Collins is kind of right behind him. And then Desmond Bain at number 60, I like him there. That's a good spot for him. Clay Thompson at 61 is a little earlier than I would target him. I'd rather go the Clay direction in the 70s. Uh, I think Yahoo moved him down the board in their last iteration, down to 78. So let's hope that he does kind of slip that way. That would make that a lot easier on the Clay thing. Christian Wood at uh, 62. That's yeah, a dice roll. He's got a little bit of that Alper and Shengun disease going on also, where there's all these things where you're like, yes, this could all work. Although also at the same time, this could be an unmitigated disaster. He was number 82 last year, which is like a perfect balance of it worked for a little bit and then it blew up in your face the rest of it. He's a punt free throw guy who we know can be better than he was. And now you're putting him on a team where winning matters. So you're probably going to see a little bit more engagement from him. Uh, I think I'd rather go Wood in the 70s, but I kind of get it here because your upside plays are starting to dwindle just a tad. Still, you got Mikhail Bridges, who came off the board next. That's an easy win in the sixth round. Tyrese Maxey, I don't know if that's an easy win in the sixth round, but probably one. Franz Wagner went off pretty early here. That surprised me. Mid-sixth. Uh, Yahoo's got him at 79 in their latest board, so he's been getting moved up the charts as well. I think he's... He's, again, another guy who's going to get better, but look at what's going on in Orlando. They added the number one pick in the draft. Jonathan Isaac is likely coming back. Markel Fultz is likely going to have the restrictor taken off. I, I don't know where additional touches come from on that team. It makes me fear a lot of the magic, frankly, not just Wagner. I don't want to try to make this seem like I'm pinning it on him. I just don't know that there's enough for many guys on that club if they're going to play like they're going to go probably 10 deep, 11 deep most games. And they're going to be trying to win this year. The Magic actually want to take a little step forward. They got their number one pick. I don't think they're going to get as greedy as some of these other clubs. Jalen Green, mid-sixth. Uh, we've wiped out a lot of his value as well. His, his earlier pre-rank on Yahoo was near 100, and that was interesting to me. This is no longer interesting. But what a lot of these adjustments have done for us is that it moved a guy like Jakob Pertl down here towards the end of the sixth round. That's an easy one in Roto. 
A guy that I never thought that would end up on my fantasy team, D'Angelo Russell's back to going near the 70s, and that's right where he belongs. Clint Capella going near the 70s, that's fine. Not super exciting, but fine. Keldon Johnson was a guy who got moved up, and this is the weird one where I don't know that he got moved up far enough. Keldon Johnson could, could actually be a top 40 fantasy player this year. I don't think I would shoot much higher than that, but uh, yeah, sixth round, I'd take him. I think you're going to have to probably start to pay for it. Uh, you know, mock drafts two weeks ago, you could still get him near 100, and that was very interesting. Now I think you'll probably have to get him near 70, and that's a little less interesting, but lightly so. And then Jalen Brunson went at the end of round six. That's fine. Uh, he should be going near 75. That's about where he belongs. Before we get into round seven and then kind of cherry-picking beyond the seven, eight, nine barricade, I want to once again remind all of you guys to go get a damn fantasy pass. For goodness sake, the Brewski 150 is going to be in it in the next couple of weeks. You've got all this unbelievable preps, prep stuff at your disposal, including an ADP tracker, which is really cool. Very cool tool, so you can actually see what direction a lot of the names are moving. Because, look, I mean, 150 guys are shifting all around in the ADP board every day. It's not that easy to remember where they were a week ago. Then you can plot out your damn game plan. Because once you know a direction somebody's moving, you know where they're headed. It doesn't, as we get closer to our actual draft days, ADP is going to somewhat parallel the pre-rank board, but not always, because everybody's going to have their lists coming out. So you got to know what direction guys are moving. And sometimes you see ADP shifts before Yahoo changes their board. I, I honestly think this is one of the most important tools you can use in prepping for your draft, in prepping for the order that you're going to need to go target your guys. That's in the fantasy pass. That's in the draft guide. Go to sportsethos.com and hover over the premium tab or just click on the premium tab. Please do get something this weekend. Please get it started. Fantasy Pass is a six-month subscription. It's a couple bucks more than the draft guide, but then you get good stuff all season long instead of ending on the first day of the year. And you keep us alive over here. You keep Sports Ethos from going belly up. Bloop. That's that last fish bubble. Don't let us bloop out our last fish bubble. I don't want to make you guys worried. We're doing fine over here. But please do get something. This is This is when we ask you guys to to fund the coffers and that's over at sportsethos.com or just follow me or sportsethos on twitter and we can let you know all about it over there all right i didn't want to take too long on that but we do need your help uh to keep this thing afloat the uh seventh round colin sexton that's interesting that's where he's probably going to end up is around 75 and you know we'll know more once yahoo does their adjustments on the Utah side of that trade, which might come in waves here as the Jazz continue to peel veterans off of their roster. Um, 75 is probably about as high as you should go with Sexton, but I don't have a big problem with him going there. Jamal Murray in the seventh. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Ben Simmons in the seventh. I, I still want nothing to do with Simmons. He might end up being a huge win this year, but like if somebody calls him soft the day before the season starts, he might just not play for three months. So I don't. To me, he's maybe even more risky than these injury-prone guys. Because between the ears, you can't just get on a training table and fix that one. Jordan Poole, middle of the seventh. Yeah, that's good. Devin Vassell, earlier than I expected. He's been kind of hiding in drafts. 
But uh, Nadog here went and dug him out. That's interesting. File that one away as maybe he starts to go... I mean, we're not even at pick 80 yet here. This is a 77. Yeah. Marcus Smart at 78. Yahoo moved him back to 90. I'm hoping he falls back towards there. Tobias Harris, 79. We're actually getting close to a point where I would take him again. You get Tobias into the 80s, I'll probably look at it. P.J. Washington at 80. Another guy that I wanted to target closer to 100. Larry Markinen at 81. Yeah, I think he's a, I think he's actually still potentially a value there. Draymond Green is not a guy I'm targeting at all this year. I think the, the Warriors in general are going to be sort of lackluster, and he's kind of the head of the lackluster snake. When they're not hyper-focused, it's Draymond's the guy that suffers. Mitchell Robinson, end of the seventh. That's good. Julius Randle, end of the seventh. Ugh, I hate the Julius Randle fantasy adventure. Now I'll pass on that. Gary Trent at pick 85. He was in the 120-something range. Yahoo did move him up to like 100, so this is around where we're going to start to see him come off the board. Herb Jones at 86. I don't, man, I just, I don't like anything going on in New Orleans. Everybody's just going to get squeezed. Wendell Carter Jr. in the 8th. That's a good spot for him. Kevin Porter Jr. in the 8th. I've softened my stance on Kevin Porter this year. You guys have heard that in this pod. He's not a total embarrassment pick. Because we did see towards the end of last season that he was floating along in that top 50 range for a few weeks when the free throw and field goal percents were not complete disasters. Question is, was that a small sample size success story or was that something more? I don't think I'm taking him here because there are still like about 15 guys on the board that I like that I don't think are shot-in-the-dark type of players. Kyle Lowry came off next. He's one of them. This is a perfect time to take Kyle Lowry because he's going to miss a bunch of ball games, but he's going to beat this per game, and that's kind of what you want at this juncture of a roto draft. Jeremy Grant, I'll admit, I don't have a great feel for what Jeremy Grant is this season. I don't know. I mean, this is around pick 90, which feels like he ought to be able to beat that in Portland. But what if Dame takes 21 shots, and what if Simons takes 15 or 16 shots? What's left? And there's Nurk. There's kind of a lot back in Grant's way. JJJ, I'm not drafting him. I don't care how, really, I don't care how far he falls. It's just, I mean, he might miss the whole season. He might play in month two. He might play on the second day of the year. It's too much. Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, the Pacers duo at the end of the eighth round. That's fair. Brandon Clark. In fact, that's kind of a trio of guys that all have similar appeal to me. Although with Clark, some of it is tied to the JJJ injury. Not as much as you'd think, but some. I like all three of those. Horford at the end of the eighth, I like it. Gordon Hayward at the end of the eighth. If we do find out that he's healthy to start the year, that's a massive steal. Because he'll go top 50, top 60 range with no Miles Bridges around. Tyler Hero to start the ninth round, that's fair. That's fair, he'll probably beat this. Jared Vanderbilt, I'm not drafting anyone on Utah right now until I know who the hell's on that team. Buddy Heald, this is interesting because if he doesn't get traded... He just smashes the crap out of this number. If he does, like if he ends up on the Lakers, there really isn't much of a job for him out there than a few three-pointers a night, and that's fine and all, but he loses all of the upside. Mo Bamba, mid-nine, that's fine. Jabari Smith Jr. out in Houston, mid-nine. It's worth a shot there. Trey Jones, worth a shot. Ivica Zubats, no upside. Dorian Finney-Smith, no upside. Nick Claxton in Brooklyn, that's an interesting one because they still don't really have another center option outside of a Morris brother. 
and you go stretch, but there's no defense there. Yeah, I mean, this is I'm okay with Claxton here. Sadiq Bay here, pretty safe actually at this point. Although Detroit keeps adding bodies, so I don't know what that means for Bay's production. Anthony Simons, yeah, this is a good spot for him. Andrew Wiggins, no upside there really. R.J. Barrett, no. Roto, pass. Aniko Kongwu, I don't think he plays enough unless Capella gets hurt, so he's kind of a drop-in type of player. Lonzo Ball, no. Too hurt. Markel Fultz in the 10th round. I kind of like that one. Brooke Lopez in the 10th, I like it. Josh Hart in the 10th, I kind of like it. Kuzma in the 10th, he's going to get squeezed out. There's too much in Washington now, but whatever. Keegan Murray, he seems like the guy you're going to end up sitting on a while and just hope that something clicks, but I don't think it will quick enough. So I'll rather pass on that one. Rob Covington, the 10th. I mean, he really only needs about 24 minutes a game to to beat this ADP by a decent amount, actually. So I'm good with that one there. Spencer Dinwiddie, pass. Monte Morris in the 10th. Yeah, that works. Isaiah Hartenstein in the 10th. I'm good with that. D'Anthony Melton in the 11th. Good. Jonathan Isaac, good. Harrison Barnes, good. Mike Conley, good. All right, a few decent ones in the 11th here. Cam Johnson probably needs Jay Crowder to get hurt. Bogdan Bogdanovich, worth a shot. Westbrook, blech. Dylan Brooks, no real upside. Boucher, no upside until somebody gets hurt. Miles Bridges, don't do it. Just don't bother. Don't be that team. I know fantasy is important, but gross. Jaden McDaniels. Uh, Yeah, there's not enough for him to do. Bobby Portis at the end of the 11th, he'll beat that easily. That's a pretty good pick there, actually. James Wiseman, I don't think he does enough. Isaiah Stewart, is this the year he starts to do more? No, I think Detroit brought in some other big men. They'll, that'll push him off to the side. I think Beef Stew had his shot last year, and he showed no progress at all. Bones in the 12th, worth a look. Pat Beverly, meh. Levert, yeah, why not? This is a perfect spot to take a shot on Karis Levert. No, Cole Anthony, nah. Norman Powell, nah. Walker Kessler, yes, worth a shot. Malcolm Brogdon, you know, with Gallo going down, they might need Brogdon to do some more scoring off the bench. I guess in the 12th, he's okay. DeAndre Hunter, nah. Patrick uh, Williams, nah. I know everybody loves what he might become, but there's just, there's, like, it's hard to be that far down the pecking order on a team. But, yeah, in the 12th, might as well. Will Barton, gross. (laughs) And then in the 13th, did anybody interesting go? Not really. JaVale McGee, Evan Fournier, John Wall. He's worth he's he's worth a pick in the last round. Pokashevsky, last round. Yeah, that's fine. Jalen Suggs, nah. Duarte, nah. Although if Indy trades everybody away, then maybe Duarte becomes interesting again. Aaron Gordon, nah. Slow-mo, Alex Caruso, Jaden Ivey. I guess Ivey's sort of interesting there, but he's going to have growing pain. Steven Adams, Jordan Clarkson. You need Clarkson to get traded for this one to make sense. So by the again, by the time you get to these late rounds, it's all flyer type guys. The ones in the 11th, 12th, and 13th that I kind of liked were the old guys at the beginning of the 11th. So like Jonathan Isaac, if he's playing, I think Barnes is going to be more focused in Sacramento. Conley, wherever he goes, he can easily go top 80 fantasy value. And then you got these sort of other names pockmarked throughout. Bobby Portis, Bones, Karras, Kessler, Brogdon, Patrick Williams, John Wall, Pokashevsky. I mean, these are total flyer picks at that point. I don't think Utah starts the year with Walker Kessler as their only center. 
feels like they're going to sign one of these veteran bigs that's still floating around to kind of mentor, take 24 minutes off the board, not force the young guy into a bunch. But we'll see. If he really is the only center on the roster three weeks from now, then he probably starts going earlier in drafts. I think the fear right now is that something else is going to shake loose. Whatever the hell that means with Utah. And with that, we send you off into your weekend. I hope it's a delightful one. Monday, we'll check back on ADPs because, Yahoo, you're seeing the adjustments here, and I'm sure some news is coming at this point. But we don't really have anything set in stone, uh, so we'll just keep looking for the most important thing leading up to your drafts, and we'll go through that. I'm Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Talk to you Monday.